This week on Heads and Tails, we talk about injuries that even the luck of the Irish can't prevent with Brian O'Leary, Head of Medical Services, and Nick Hess, Senior Physiotherapist for the London Irish Rugby Club. This is Kevin Som, you're listening to the Heads and Tails Podcast. We share stories of perseverance and inspiration in sports and in life. I'm reaping the financial rewards. <laughs> yeah, you, you wouldn't be working uh, yeah, exactly. if that was the case. <laughs> I, didn't, I don't get paid here, mate. Just did <laughs> for the crack. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's funny. Um, okay, so this week on Heads and Tails, I'm interviewing Nick Hess and Brian O'Leary. They're physiotherapists. What do you guys call yourselves uh, yeah, yeah. over in England? Yeah, physiotherapists. physiotherapists. Um, for the London Irish Rugby Club. Is it club or team? Club. Club, okay, we call a team over here, but uh, they're playing at Red Bull Arena on March 12th against what's the team? Saracens. What will come again? The the Saracens. Saracens, or is that in England as well? Yeah, it's a a team uh, based in in London. Okay, so so all the teams are in in London or in England? Uh, Yeah, so it's it's an English Premiership. So there's uh, 12 teams. Uh, within Eng- the competition within England, but the guys that we happen to be playing are, are from London as well. Okay. Well, we're going to uh, talk about some health and safety stuff that's going on in rugby and how it could differ from American football or other sports and kind of see how, you know, we could make sports safer. Um, so you guys both start off by talking about kind of what sports you played growing up and how you got into becoming or interested in being physiotherapists. Brian, we'll uh, start with you. Okay, so I, I grew up um, in Ireland, obviously by my accent. Okay. Um, I'm Irish. I've so been there once. but So, <laughs> <laughs> so I played a, a range of sport. I played um, Gaelic football, hurling. They're, they're two sports that are um, obviously just in Ireland. Um, and then obviously rugby. So I played rugby to, um, to um, uh, probably uh, just below a semi-professional level. Um, and then I came over to the UK. And then I started um, my, my physio master's. And I started working pitch side rugby, and then because it coincides with the same day, okay. I, I didn't play, and then uh, anymore, and then I just got involved really in um, in the professional side of things, and and have been for the last uh, uh, probably seven seven years or so. So it was more for like the love of the sport that you kind of got into. Um, yeah, I think it's kind of combined both really because uh, I was really interested in the, in in the. Um, the sports medicine side of, of physiotherapy okay. and also then um hugely interested in and obviously rugby union was my sport so to combine both made uh, made sense really because they were both my my loves really so awesome what you love most about rugby um i think it's um well from a purely from a, a sports medicine point of view you get um you get quite an array of injuries and uh, some serious, some not so serious, but you know, you you get full body injuries. So, okay. but also I love the um, there's there's some great um, there's a great culture. I think there's um, some great discipline there. It teaches you as as a young age, it teaches you a lot about um, you know, like say discipline, manners, or you know, the way big guys, you know, that they're. You know, hundred some of them guys, one hundred twenty, right, one hundred thirty kids. They're gentle giants. Yes, and then they, they, you know, they simple things like you know, they speak to the referee and call the referee sir and, right. and stuff like that. You know, there's there's quite a nice kind of culture. Our American it. football coaches were always big on that too. Like we never were able to say like what if someone asks a question, it's always like excuse me or you know like yes coach, no coach. Never like yeah, yeah awesome is, level yeah. of respect. Yeah, overall. The, yeah. All right, Nick. Uh, what was uh, your reasoning for? Or like, did you play sports growing up? And yeah, yeah. So my main sport growing up was rugby. Um, I took a part in. I used to do Muay Thai as well. So um, like a kickboxing. 
former kickboxing, um, and played up until university rugby. Um, reason for getting into um, physiotherapy, especially in rugby, um, just had an interest in biology, anatomy, that sort of thing. Uh, that alongside my interest in sport, um, I think was what led me down that route. Awesome. Um, yeah, to get into into where where I am now um, with being a physiotherapist in rugby. What did what was your favorite thing about rugby, or what did you love most um, about the sport? Not too dissimilar from from what Brian's Brian said. Definitely the culture, um, you know, and, and being in a in a team environment is is massive. Um, did, you know, you meet lots of different characters, which is which is great, um, and and the like the core values that, that underpin the sport, um, like you say, respect. Um, but there's also you know the aggression to it. There's the physicality, right? Um, you know, but you don't lose that respect side of things. Okay. Um, and that's what makes it such a such a great sport. I feel awesome. Um, so let me see. If we answer that one. So can you guys just explain what your role is on for the the London Irish Rugby Club? Yeah. Um, so um, so my title is so I'm I'm head of medical services. So which means we've um, we've got a department of four physiotherapists, four full time physiotherapists, um, one part time sports therapist, one full time sports therapist. We've got um, um, a consultant in sport and exercise medicine, so a physician that comes in um, two more, two clinics, two morning clinics a week. Okay. And and we've got a series of interns and stuff. So I manage that department, and um, and and basically um, kind of the staff with that, and also kind of throughout the kind of the the load management and and the squad of of fifty. We have fifty eight players at the moment, um, and. That goes down into an underage structure as well. So we've got 30 under 18s, 30 under 16s, and about anything between 60 and 90 under um, under 14s. So it's uh, and do they they don't all travel though, do they? No. Okay. Okay. Oh, that, that's just the, the the club. From, okay, the club from, itself. I didn't know how yeah. it works because like in the United States we don't really do it like that. But yeah, so we 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 would travel so like you to, to games. all these guys, right? Yeah. Okay. And Nick, what's your role? So my role predominantly is dealing with long-term injured players, okay. um, alongside the the ins and outs of of being a physio with the with the with the first team. Um, so that really encompasses um, if a player picks up an injury um, and they look like they're going to be out for more than two weeks with that injury, then um, they go on to what we have is a called a return to play well schedule um, program. It basically makes sure that the players get adequate input. Um, and have a really directed um, um, approach to their rehab. Um, so in terms of they get um, medical input, they get SNC input, um, and it's to a very good level. Um, and it's detailed, you know, from start to finish, basically. It's, it's planned from start to finish through their rehab pathway. Okay. Um, so just oversee that, and that's my that's my role. Cool. Manager. I'm looking forward to later on in the interview when we start talking about kind of like the mental side of being injured and being an athlete. Yep. That'll be, I think you'll have some cool things to say. Um, so what are the most common injuries that you see in rugby? I know you said like they vary a lot from really serious injuries to maybe some what some would consider minor injuries. Um, and then are these injuries preventable, do you think? Um, well, if you look... Um at our own kind of data um, over the last kind of couple of years, 
it's pretty similar across other clubs. So you've got your your knees, your shoulders, your your now your concussions because there's been so much education around concussion. There's a lot more reported cases. I don't okay. I don't think it does necessarily more cases, but right, it's just there's more just, awareness. Right. So your knees, your shoulders, your 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 ankles, and and your concussions, and and you're still kind of still picking up kind of the um, quite a few kind of posterior thighs so your hamstring okay. injuries as well but they seem to be pretty common across across the board but your big severity of injuries are, are your knees and shoulders because they're generally the ones that keep they, go for months are they generally contact related or yeah for your for your um, for your, your shoulders definitely your knees potentially are more kind of non-contact okay uh, or more kind of probably chronic in nature all right cool um let me see. So how do you guys manage concussions? Is it the same way that we do it in the United States? Like, yeah, a, a, you know, an athlete will report their concussion, then they have, once their symptoms go away, they have a re- return to play protocol. Is it the same kind of idea? Yeah, it's, 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 it is similar. Um, the way we pick it up, I'm not sure how you guys do it, but we obviously, um, it's not just a case of if the player reports it to us. Um, we're say if we're in a, a game environment, we're always looking for players that potentially might have symptoms of concussion um, without them having to. So you know whether that's um, a loss of consciousness would be one, um, ataxia, so you know unsteadiness on their feet is something else we look for, and they're signs to us that a player's concussed regardless of whether they tell us they have headache or they feel dizzy or they right. feel nauseous, those sorts of things. Um, so, and then, yeah, and then it's a graded return then from there that's, that's all um, based on their symptoms. So once they're symptom-free, we start a graded return um, And you're protocol. the one in charge of doing that for the, the club? Um, no, we, we basically, that's more because it's so short-term. Okay. Um, oh, that's the, considered short-term. Yeah, okay. yeah because, because most of the, the return protocol we have is over uh, five days. Okay. So, you know, that's that's fairly short term for us. Right. Um, so, yeah, we basically take that. We, we, you know, we manage that amongst all of all of our physio team. OK. I don't know if you're if you're familiar with the head injury assessment that, that World Rugby have brought in. I'm not. So 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 how it is is um, if so during a game. So we, we cover we cover obviously the games. And, and so if if there's a suspected concussion, so this is only a suspected if there's if it's a if it's a confirmed concussion so if someone you know if there's a big hit someone lies on the floor and, and they're lost of consciousness and they're removed it's a permanent removal straight away okay if you're unsure so if it was a big mechanism and the guy kind of is slow to like get wobbly, up yeah. and you're just unsure then we have what we call an, uh, a hia so a head injury assessment where you can remove the player from play for 10 minutes and the doctor assesses the player in uh, in the in the dressing room, and and what they have is basically they've got what we call a, a head injury assessment one, which is um, it's it's almost like a modified scat. I don't know if you're aware of yeah, scat. Yeah, scat. Yep. Yeah. So they go through their balance, their their recall, and also um, just unique to 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 Premiership Rugby is also we have a live feed in the medical room, so the doctor has to look at the actual mechanism because often you can miss something. Right. He could see exactly how exactly. It happened, right? So he correlates. He's um, we've based scat tests for all the players so he correlates what his um, baseline scat is with, with the, the new information um, the new objective measure that he's just done with the player so if the player reaches his baseline if there's nothing on the video that, that concerns him and, and he goes through all these measures and he's happy then he returns to the pitch 
Okay. Um, so that that's a HIA one. Then post game is a HIA two, which is a full scat. And then when the player comes in after two nights sleep, we have what we call a HIA three, and that's just to pick up any delayed um, uh, symptoms of of potential concussion. Okay. If if at that stage that all they've passed all three and we're happy that a concussion isn't confirmed, then the player trains as normal that week. If at any point that we found that there is a concussion, then a player then goes on to what we call our, our graduate or return to play program post concussion, and that's pretty standardised. So okay. Stage one is if they're if they're symptom free, they do um, some uh, some light activity. So maybe jump on a bike for about seventy percent of their heart rate intensity. If then they go home, and if they're symptom free for twenty four hours after that, they do a light run. Okay, so it's not just like during their exercise; it's after the exercise too. Yeah, of okay. course. Yeah. yeah, and then you build that up. So that's stage three, stage four is where they do non contact skills. So they go out and do some some light passing and stuff like that. Maybe some down up, something specific to your sport. And then at the end of that, if they're another twenty four hours, they pass what we call our our our, um, our psychometric testing or our um, cog sport which is um, a computerized psychometric test that they do again baseline at the start of the season and if they if they pass that's a pass fail if they pass that and if the, the doctor reviews them um, and then they can return to contact and then the, if they again 24 hours later after that if they have no increase in symptoms on the on the symptom checklist then they can return to play all right that's pretty then, comprehensive yeah. yeah and then we also have then uh, cog sport which is a computer based cognition test is um, it like the impact test yeah. Okay. Yeah. That we use. So. Okay. Uh, so um, that would be another um, assessment tool that we have. Awesome. To, to clear them for play. Good stuff. Um, do you think that the headgear that some of the uh, rugby players wear is that like helpful, or you think that hurts more? Because I know, like, in the United States, there's always the conversation with American football that the helmets are the problem, right? Because they like players use them as a weapon as opposed to, you know, serving the purpose of just protecting their head. So they kind of stick their nose in there a little more than they normally would if they didn't have it. Do you guys see the same thing? Um, well, there's no research to, to show that the um, that the rugby headgear protects players against concussion. So any, any research out there... Um, is so we say to guys, look, you can wear it if you want. Right. It's quite, it's quite soft. I don't know if you've ever felt the actual right. material. It's, like it's a, almost like a, a little gel, yeah, type kind thing. of foamy kind of gel material and stuff. Right. So compared to your your American football helmet, that's right. much different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so the guys will wear, but we'll say like, you know, this isn't going to protect you from a concussion. You know, because if you think about concussion, often it's it's it doesn't involve the head. Exactly. You know, right. if you if you if you get a hard carry or if you get an impact into the chest, you know, if you hit the ground and stuff, you know. It's that kind of right. the acceleration, deceleration of, of the neck often. So, you, you know, it, it, it's not going to protect you. Yeah. Helmets, you know, prevent skull fractures, right? That's what they're meant for. Not yeah. They're not meant to prevent concussions. Yeah. Um, do you think that American football can benefit from anything that is in the sport of rugby to make the game safer? I like think in terms of technique or yeah. rules or whatever. Yeah, I think that probably there's, like you say, you, you, you know, just alluded to it, that the helmet means that guys you know, head charge or whatever, make a tackle with right. their make a tackle with their head. Whereas, you know, the the rugby obviously tech, tack, tackling techniques a lot different. Um, you hit with the shoulder, um, you know, and and it's you're meant to get your head out of the way of the body. Um, so on the other side um, of the body, so it's not in the way of a you know of a collision. Right. So I think um, I know. Uh, is it the Seattle? See, yes, yeah, Seattle Seahawks. So um, I heard that they've changed their their tackle their tackle technique um, because of that. 
Right. Um, so they, they, you know, they make a lot more shoulder dominant tackles um, rather than, the, you know, the, like the head on tackles. Right. Um, so maybe that's something that all teams could potentially, you know, benefit from. Could yeah. benefit from. I know there's some studies out there of like, yeah, football teams practicing without helmets. Like they had a group of kids who did tackling technique drills without a helmet and then ones with a helmet. And I guess they did see a correlation between, you know, the kids who didn't have the helmet on didn't stick their nose in there, didn't get as many concussions. So Yeah. Yeah. Same so idea. Yeah. All right, cool. Um so what are some of the most serious injuries that you guys have seen? How we how I suppose how we how how do we um how we sort of what's serious, what what what, um, what do we class as serious? I'll classify it as like <coughs> maybe career severity, ending severity, or yeah. yeah, maybe career ending yeah. or like season ending stuff. Um probably Knees, knees are bad ones that I've seen um, yeah. within the sport. Um, just multiple uh, ligament ruptures from contact. Right, um, are probably the one of the worst ones I've seen. Um, fracture dislocations are never nice. Right, um, so like a tib fib um, fracture um, where the ankle then dislocates, which I'm sure you, you know you get in in uh, in football. Right, uh, saw a pretty nasty neck injury, which was a bit. Uh, it was quite frightening at the time for for the player and for everybody involved. Player, um, uh, as it turned out in the end, he had some he had some um, had ligament damage and had um, had paralysis on the pitch. Oh wow! So um, that was obviously pretty pretty frightening at the time for for all all involved and stuff. Um, but uh, thankfully he um, he recovered well. So um, and another quite random a, a guy got his ear ripped off. Oh, and, uh, he what does that look like? He, uh, it looked uh, it looked quite gruesome. He uh, went up onto him and he was on all fours and uh, and he, uh, you kind of look and you're like, mm, there's something a little bit strange right. there. But you know you don't you don't ex and then he just because he was holding it right. and there was blood coming. Out. I was like okay and then he I was like oh take your hand away and his oh. ear and his ear just flopped down. <laughs> so so was you, like, okay, were you able to like stitch it back on or put your, put your hand back? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So he went um, you know just. Bandaged him up, and he went. He went straight to um, straight to hospital, and got got plastic surgery on it, and uh, right. his back played. Still has an ear. Back played in in about four weeks or so. Oh wow! Okay. So it was uh, it was a really good job, but yeah, quite quite strange at the time. Does it seem like guys like in the NFL? I I believe that there's guys who try to hurt the other players, like in terms like we have certain situations where there's a defenseless receiver so the the wide receiver is going out for a pass and he's like looking up for the ball and then one of the defenders will kind of take his knees out when he doesn't even know that he's there is there like similar situations that like lead to these kind of knee injuries or uh, there's there's not because there's rules in place that mean that you can't I mean there's rules in place in the NFL too <laughs> yeah. but it's still yeah, yeah, it still happens, yeah and these yeah. things happen so like a uh, Obviously, guys go out with aggression because they want to, you know, impact, have a physical impact on the team, you know, right. to be the more dominant team, which then, um, you know, correlates then with them probably being the more successful team. Right. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't say people go out to, to just to hurt people, though, on a, you know, on that sort of, that sort of level to, to inflict pain on someone that's okay, unnecessary. Yeah. Um, because also... There's in, in instances in rugby, if you try and put a big hit on someone, it, it's going to come right back to you. It, that it can come right <laughs> back at you, but it also because the game flows. Whereas I know in NFL, you put a big hit in the game, the game it stops. It stops right? I see what if saying. you put a big hit in in rugby, or if you try a big hit, you miss. That plays that in, lead in to, right? yeah. That plays in an open play, and he can play on. So right. it, it tends to be more tactical I see what you're and technical because actually, in the context of the game and that point in time, it might mean that if you make a tackle that's big. Right. 
you know, I wonder if there's something there with that for the NFL and for football. Like if you make the game more like that, like, you know, in terms of like keeping the game moving like faster when you don't have that stoppage of play like that. I don't know. Maybe that could lead to guys not acting like idiots, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what kind of – you guys have seen a ton of recovery of recoveries of injury, I'm sure. So what kind of mindset, like, does an athlete need to have in order to recover, you know, to get back to as good as they were, if not better? Like, what kind of characteristics of the guys that you've worked with, what have they had that, that kind of led to successful recoveries? Um, I think it, it kind of goes through a bit of a process, really, kind of similar to a bit, you know, if you if you have a long-term injury – um, I think it's quite similar to a bit like a, a bit like getting over a death. You've got a bit of grieving no, and mourning and stuff. Agree. So yeah, yeah. you kind of have to um, you have to allow that player to you know to 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 grieve to to mourn to get upset to you know and he'll um, you know it's a bit like the the Co- the Cooper Ross kind of model and stuff you know about right. that, you know that you go through a bit of mourning, a bit of grief, a bit, you know, they, they try and kind of bargain with you that it's it's not that bad, you know, huh? right, right. I'll be oh, back, I'll, I'll be back, you know, and <laughs> I've yet to, to hear uh, every player says, oh, I'm a, good, I'm, a, I'm a good healer. You know, I've never right. come across an injured player that said, oh, I'm a bad healer, I'm an average yeah, healer. Right. Everybody's never a good think, healer. Yeah. yeah, you know, I'll be back faster than that. No, no, I can't believe you said six months. No, I'll be back, you know. Yeah. So you you gotta you got to let the player, I think... Um, just get come to terms with it, grieve, you know, maybe, you know, blow off some steam, you know, maybe go off, go have a few beers and stuff, you know, get out of your system and stuff. The realization that, you know, the season is over, sometimes your career is over, you know, and then, um, and then once you get around that, then it's it's the acceptance part, and then, you know, and then the, the realize you sit down with them and stuff, and that's where a real detailed planning when it comes into play regarding and, and the support around that, you know, to try and get the, uh, the, you know, the, the, the medical, the, 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 the phys- the conditioning and even the rugby and stuff in uh, as early as possible to support the guy so at least they don't feel then that they've been um kind of ostracized away from the team right, right, and their right. teammates involved, and stuff yeah. i think support is is the big thing you see the guys that have had have support systems in place both at the club and and also at home i think they're the guys that tend to pick themselves up a little bit easier okay. and a little bit faster and stuff and that, that's essentially what i'm trying to do with this podcast cuz like when i got hurt and didn't i couldn't play football anymore like i feel like i didn't have anyone to kind of like go to or have a support system like that so i'm trying to like create a support system like through the interviews yeah. that i do on the podcast yeah and i think i think as well like a, a player the, the best the best recoveries i've seen um and sort of uh are definitely the guys that um know that they're in control of their of their injury you know like they can the guys that sort of feel like it's out out of control and they have they can't do anything about it and they get right right like a what was me kind of thing like feeling bad for themselves yeah yeah exactly the guys that feel bad for themselves are usually for you know are usually the ones that end up taking you know being a lot slower whereas the guys that are you know a lot more positive about it and and know know it's it's on them now to to once, right. once the healing's done to get better, they're the guys that tend to be a lot more proactive and, and crack on, and usually have a have a have a have a quicker return time. Right. I often say on this show that you can't control what happens to you in life, but you can always control how you respond. So that's like exactly what you just said. Yeah. Like when yeah shit hits the fan, you can yeah and and, and, and control your and like Brian said there's going to be times along that maybe where it doesn't go go to plan and it's out of your control sometimes it is out of your control yeah um and that's when you need the good support networks to keep you in in that positive mindset 
Speaking of that, do you guys address kind of like the mental and emotional side of injuries, like through either like a sports psychologist with the club or like how do you guys? I've used a sports psychologist before um, for for long-term injuries and I think it works really well. Um, At London Irish, we don't. But, um, but I'm not saying, you know, we should necessarily. Right. Um, I think because we can do it a lot ourselves. Um, it's more of just how we are with the players. Okay, um, so you guys play the role of the sports Yeah, in some ways, in some ways it's, it becomes a second nature, doesn't it? You don't, right, think right. Of, you don't think about it, but you are there. You're there every day to treat them. And when right. you treat them, you chat about things. And it might not be, it might not be injury related. Or rugby exactly, related. Exactly, right. exactly. But it, you, you end up being the the sort of psychologist, the the therapist you right. know, on that level as well as just being, you know, a physical You a like physical that therapist. part of the job or Yeah, that's the that that's a, a part of the job that that's the more personal level and that's where you get to know your guys and, and enjoy someone's character and personality probably. Right. Do you, what's your favorite part of the job, uh both of you guys? Brian, you can start it off. Winning. Winning? <laughs> yeah. You like no, being a part of the team and stuff? Yeah, I think um I think it it never um you know when you when you play a sport and and you and you you play with a group that you um you know and any team that you um that you you train hard with and you 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 go through you know the sweat blood and tears and stuff and you get a victory and you're sitting in your in your dressing room you know nothing can that's the best feeling in the world for right, me right. you know because you know that you've worked your ass off and you've achieved something as a group right yeah, you um, guys put in long hours i know if it's anything like american football you guys are yeah. grinding so trying to um you, you'll never i i think in, in i as much as uh, one cups and stuff and um, with teams and stuff as as a physio and stuff and you know the, your importance of the role it never really kind of you know replaces actually when you do it or go out and you actually make the hit and right, you know right. you're involved yep, yourself I, but, I feel you. but it's 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 a nice kind of kind of some way of a substitute because you know that you're you're helping the guys to achieve and and also the mistakes you've made in the past um through your career and stuff and even just just through life and stuff you know right. it's good just to try and be able to kind of steer the guys and stuff because the old saying you can't put um you know an old head on young shoulders and if you can try and gain the trust of these guys and just try and steer them, them in the right direction yeah, 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 exactly. It's um, you know, and and like Nick was saying, you know, we've we've got um, we've got um, a nice role that way as a as a as a therapist that you spend long hours. Guys are generally vulnerable when they when they're injured and stuff because. I uh, like I say they're not in the group and you know potentially contract and stuff like that and they tend to open up and they tend to to, to rely sometimes a bit too much and sometimes you got to give them a bit of a kick in the arse right. to, to get them out <laughs> and sometimes you need to get them give them a, uh, you know a hand around the shoulder right. and a bit of a hug and it's just about I think probably the best therapist it gets that balance right right exactly you yeah. know, when when to push and when when to pull back and stuff but you you get the guys in and I think you they get you get a bit more buy in and then I think you can then when you're in then you can try and see if you can. Um, just try and kind of cajole them around to what you think is the is the best way, and I think that's that's for me. I think is 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 a good part of the job. Cool. Nick. Yeah, it's n- not too dissimilar. Um, probably a big one for me is with the with the injured guys and the and the rehabilitation side of things is um, trying to get a player back to better than what they were before they were injured. Is and if you do that, then that's yeah, that's always a winner. You exactly. Know, if, yeah. You know, if like you know, there's certain things that they were struggling with before they were injured. You iron those out. You know, whether they're you know movement dysfunctions or biomechanical issues. Um, you know, with the strength and conditioning, you get them stronger than they were before, faster than they were before. Um, and then you know, once you tick all those things, if they then go back on the pitch and they actually perform really well, having that successful rehabilitation, that's a, that's the for me is 
is when it's a success. Okay. Really. Yeah, and that's if, cool. they if, if they do all those things, and they don't Rewarding go back. Rewarding for you. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And if they do all those things and they don't go back on the pitch and, and play that well, have you have you really rehabbed them that successfully? Right. Um, you know, yeah, you've rehabbed the injury, but I think for so for me, if if you if we do that, then that's the um, that's the that's what really gets sort of. Do you guys act as the strength coaches too for the the club? No, they're separate guys for yeah. that. Yeah. All right. Different, uh, different department. We try um, traditionally in 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 I suppose in a lot of sports you have a, a medical department on one side of the building and a strength conditioning department on another side of the building. And generally the way it goes is the, the conditioners and the strength guys break players and the, the medics kind of fix them and put them back together. You guys have a little rivalry where, going? Where we, that's generally, but in, 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 in London Irish, where we work, um, we've tried to bring both together. As I mean, I think that makes the most sense, yeah, right? Yeah. As, as, as a performance team rather than right. just a medical team. So we have, we've crossed over as, you know, as soon as possible. So when a, when a guy gets injured, we sit down with, with the conditioners and say, okay, What's the most he can do, you know? So we firmly believe, um, myself and Nick and and the two conditioners, um, we're we're probably we're quite aggressive in so far as obviously you have to respect healing, but also you gotta train every other part because these guys are big guys, you know. They're used to kind of lifting heavy weights. They need their bulk. They need their strength to be able to perform, and they need that you know the endorphins of exercising and trying. We try and exercise as much as we can, as close to the level as, as they can, without obviously interfering with the tissue right. healing and stuff. Right. So that uh, I think that that's the key, and, and that's that's only going to come with communication and stuff. Yeah, and I think that's kind of where the trend in like strength and conditioning is going is like functional movements i guess i guess that's like the buzzword but like a lot of people or a lot of athletes have like asymmetries in their movement patterns or like they're tight here and like that's causing some sort of dysfunction and like i said if you guys collaborate together with the the strength coach you know that could kind of i think be the the perfect blend yeah. um can you, can you guys talk about um i remember you mentioned this in your uh talk about the your gps tracker and your steps tracker and stuff like that what is it in, in particular I'm um, just like what you guys use that for and like what other kind of research you guys do just to kind of keep tabs on the athletes and make sure that they're you know performing optimally so what we'd look at is um, all, all our players would have um, their own GPS unit and stuff so we, we'd have a look throughout throughout the week um, what their both their total meters and what we call a meaningful uh, meter so meaningful meters would be basically anything above above a, um, a jog basically okay so it's kind of the, the the fatiguing kind of aspect rather than total distance would be walking as well so we have a look at that and there's some uh, there's some research out there by um by uh, tim gabbard and uh, from australia his group and stuff that have a look at a gps load and in, in actual rugby league players but there's a lot of a lot of information out there saying that what you want to try and avoid is is um acute spikes in training so, for instance, if uh, what we found, let's say, if, if a guy, let's say, for instance, a guy picked up a concussion, didn't do a huge amount of training that week because he tried to rest and came back and played, and then the week after, then you know he goes back and trains fully. So you've gone from nothing to a, a full training week, right. and then what you find the next week, then you know he might pick up a little bit of a calf issue or something, right. a bit of a niggly kind of a maybe a grade one little strain of his calf because he wasn't appropriately managed. He had, right, right. He had a massive spike in acute overload. No, yeah, that makes complete sense. But so how else would you know that unless you had you know devices on them? Exactly, like GPS. That, yeah. It gives you. So what we tried to do is if a guy misses a week, we try and see if we can grade him back up. So we'd speak to the coaches and say, look, 
we'll have a look at it at the session and we'll pull him out of certain blocks right. and, and, and limit and limit his um his his load that week to try and bring him back up over over the next few weeks. So that's one of the things we look at. And not only that week is is over a five week period as well, just to make sure that you don't have um like I say those, those spikes up and down or um and, and the other thing we look at is um sessional RPEs, which is actually proving to be very va- um, valuable to to both how the guys perform. Uh, and also potentially soft tissue injuries. So what you have a look at, so for instance, if a, if a guy does 10 minutes on a watt bike and he rates it a 10 out of 10, so you do 10 by 10, so it's 100 units, and you have a look at how much, so if you, if we have a look at probably above uh, 3,500 units a week, um, then that, that would concern us. But but this is it, it's a flagging system more than saying a definite. We don't right. know we don't know what's overtraining or what's undertraining. But exactly, at least yeah. if we have a flagging system, it'll set up com- a communication and conversation about the player. Right. You know everything might be sweet, but at least he's not flying under the radar and it's just flagging it. Um, and then the last thing we look at is, is wellness. So every morning the player would, would when he wakes up he'll go through um, certain questions on on his wellness score. So that's like an app on his phone or yeah yeah. So uh, how many hours has he slept? How would he rate his sleep? How would he rate his freshness? How would he rate his muscle soreness? Uh, how would he rate his mood? And how would he rate his um, stress levels? And we have a look at that across across the uh, the squad and stuff and see whether we obviously come into a game, we want our, our squad wellness to be as high as it can be so the guys are ready to perform. That's awesome. That's like crazy in-depth too. I'm curious if like, is that like generally accepted around the... <coughs> The league, or yeah, yeah, most teams do that. Most yeah. teams probably uh, there's probably teams that probably go above that as well. Oh, really? Um, they look at other other measures and other. I've like never even heard of teams doing that. So I spoke because when when I mentioned this at, at at the conference at um Atlantic Sports um Health uh, or the Atlantic Health Sports Conference that we did on on Monday, um. And uh, and Dr. Martin's from from the the New York Jets kind right. of brought brought up that point. He was kind of saying that you know he said we've got this information, but you speak to coaches and coaches are like, oh, I'm not interested. You know, yeah. I want the players to train. And uh, and I spoke to a couple of soccer teams in uh, Premiership soccer teams in in England, and they were the same. They have the data, but they actually got rid of it because coaches weren't listening. Right. And I think we, it's a lot of work. It seems like yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And 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 I think we're in a great position that we can actually go to a coach and say, listen. We gotta pull this guy from training, or we and gotta they're receptive modify. To that? Yeah, and they're receptive, to that, which which is which is great for us because you've got all the the information and you right. can actually use it. The most frustrating thing is you've got all the information, but you've got a coach that doesn't listen. Right. I mean, that that kind of brings me into what my next question was going to be, and that was going to ask you. We kind of touched on this before about the culture of toughness. I you guys talked about that's kind of like what you liked about rugby. Um, that's kind of what I liked about football when I played, and there's a huge culture of toughness, and I believe that that's why my head injury was as bad as it was because I separated my shoulder, I played with it, I hurt my other shoulder because I stopped using that one, and then I started using my head because that's the only thing I had left to hit with, and then I think that's why, like, it kind of, and I played with a concussion because I was just trying to be a tough guy and, you know, sacrifice my body for the good of the team. But but when you guys say that, it almost, and the fact that the coach accepts it and wants to, you know, look out for the players' like best interest and in their, their health and mine, like, I think that's awesome, hmm. and I think that well, it's, it's it's for their benefit as well, isn't it? Because if if they, you know, although there's a, there's a culture of toughness, um, right. if if they accept that a guy needs to have some time back off and things is, it, and they don't become an injury as a result, right? Long term, the, yeah. Then, then then the team benefits, doesn't it? Because that player's then not out. 
right. uh, out of the game. Saving the team money too. Saving the team money, but also yeah. the more players you have out, it's proven now, the more the more players you have injured, the less successful the team is. Right, yeah, makes so. sense. I think as well, like you say, coaches are, coaches are aware now that um, concussion can uh, and does end careers. Right. So I think um, the the good coaches will have a conscience and say, you know, often coach, coach like our coaches say to us, if he if he's got anything head, just let us know and get him out. Right. We don't we don't want to be responsible for for a kid. Yeah, you're liable now. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Both 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 from a and, and that's the thing from 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 um from our end um well, my responsibility is 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 obviously to the player for player welfare but also my I'm employed by the club so my also interest is to make sure that the club doesn't get sued right in in the next in two or three years time because my medical department didn't right and the didn't NFL that. had that huge yeah, issue exactly too, right? and what generally happens in the US kind of follows in the UK okay. three to five years later doesn't it so <laughs> there's probably a big there is a medical legal case going to brewing in the UK about oh okay own. really you know, definitely there, right. you know um, but all you want to do is like there's, there's Premiership Rugby who um, who look after the rugby obviously in, in the UK um, uh, and, and in England is um, they've done a huge amount regarding player welfare um, and probably some of the things that are quite diff- different to over here. So, like from a medical team, physios can can track the play. So basically, we can you know. So if a guy, you know, I showed a clip um, on say on Monday of where one of our guys got knocked out, and because we can track the play, by the time he hit the floor, we actually had him had uh, he's um, in a manual in uh, stabilization of his neck. Wow. In four seconds. Right. So you think about so because like as soon as he goes down here. I'm already tracking, and you're on. Right. So, and then that doesn't happen in the NFL. No, and and even in, in soccer, the or referee has to yeah, yeah. has to stop the play to call you on. Where so we're lucky that we can actually track. So and we don't have to be called on. We we go straight on and stuff. Well, in soccer, it's or football, I guess as you guys call it. It's it's almost like the the boy who cried wolf because they're constantly like yeah. flopping all yeah. over the place. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. um, so that and and also with the, there's there's player and coach edu- um, compulsory education modules that they have to take at the start of the season. So they sit down and and go through a, a video about concussion and and answer some questions on it and stuff. All right, cool. So, um, so the league are doing uh, doing a huge amounts and and also from a medical team point of view, um, we'll get um on um so if we if we play on a Saturday and if there was a concussive episode or even if there was a, a, a real heavy hit right. and we didn't act I get an email from an independent company that review all our games and they say look look at this footage why didn't you, you what, pull what, them out why did the player not come up why didn't he come off right. which is um some some medics are a little bit kind of oh it's a bit like big brother look you over your shoulder right, but, right. but it is it is all about player welfare and it means that it takes if you are under pressure from coaches to you know your best not bringing off your be, your best player right, then, your job's then, on the line yeah, so. exactly yeah. and, and and you will there will be disciplinary issues if you right. if, if you haven't acted acted appropriately. So awesome. there's 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 a huge amount of measures kind of and I guarantee what we do now and, and what we'll be doing we'll be doing something way different in, in three years time, you know, because it's it's moving and oh, evolving you're constantly so fast. Evolving, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, like when I had my head injury, this is like two thousand seven. Like people just started talking about concussions. Yeah. So yeah, just to see like where it's come since then, it's like pretty yeah, crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um we're coming up on time, so I wanna kinda I'll try to wrap it up for you guys. Um What's the one thing that you've seen in the sport of rugby that you think that could be changed in turn in in a way to like make the sport safer but not change the game itself? Is there anything or I, 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 t- 
tackle the tackle area, potentially. Um, like a strike zone type thing, or yeah, um, potentially whether there's there's stricter rules around, like you say, where where the tackle can be made on the body, right? Um, for starters. Um, other than that, though, it's just the nature of the game now. Right, because you got it. Yeah. Size, you do, the size you want to take on the risk. That's, it's, that's a, it's a law of physics. Like, yeah. you, you know, you're not going to stop these guys without putting your body in the way of them. Right, right. And it's inevitable that as a result, you're going to pick up something right. like, a, like a concussion or an injury. Right. I don't know. What do you think? It's difficult. Like, at the moment, like last week uh, in the UK, there was um, there was 70 doctors uh basically signed a a letter to the to the house of parliament asking for tackling to be banned in schools in in rugby right a lot of people for, are doing the same thing in the know, us too but um, it's you know but then you know i don't think that's you know i don't think that's the solution either because right. you know it is a great game and you'd prefer someone to to be out exercising and playing then right, right. you know but um you know it, rugby has it is a bit at a bit of a crossroads because they are there is a um, a lot of big injuries, you know. During the World Cup, you could see that you know the guys are getting bigger, the game is getting faster, more powerful. There's more collisions. There's more emphasis now on, on the big hit. Um, so, is there anything? It is difficult because you don't. At the end of the day, you know, it's a it's just it, the physicality and aggression is what we love about the sport. Right. Obviously, we never want to see anybody get injured, but um, at the higher and it's it, it's difficult. Maybe you know. Do you? I don't see. Maybe do you do you do you lower the the height level of where you where you tackle? You know. Obviously, if you look at at the old reels, everybody back in the Goes day high. and stuff, people used to tackle around. Rugby tackles used to be around the knees, and then down and lock the ankles together. You know, back in the old days. Whereas now it's gone more into a rugby league hit, which means that it's it's a lot around the chest area. Right. Because what it used to be traditionally was you wrap around the knees. Whereas what people find is that you were able to offload the ball then, whereas now what guys are trying to do is they're trying to wrap the ball up so they hit you ha right. hard around the chest area. That's what they teach you in American football too. They say, like, put your nose on the ball to, like, dislodge the ball. Exactly. Right? So, so it's it's the same thing. And that's I think that big hit is closer to the to the head and you're getting that, that right. whiplash type. So... But would I want that to come in? Probably not, because right. you know it would affect the sport, right? Yeah, exactly. So it is. Um, I think, you know, it's probably something has to happen. But what that will be, uh, somebody a lot smarter than me will come up with. I it. think, uh, and as well, like the laws are now in rugby. Um, if there's a high tackle, they're a lot stricter on that, and they're just a lot tighter on picking it up. Guys will have a yellow card. So in rugby, they'll get, you know, ten minutes in the in the sim bin um, as a result of that. And I think those what's it called the sin bin. The sin bin, yeah. So that's a yellow. You pick up a yellow card, you I go like in the that. sin bin. So um, the naughty corner. Yeah, the naughty <laughs> corner. So, um, like, they're a lot tighter on that now. On so a sw like the swinging arms, a lot tighter on, um, you know, um, no arms in the tackle, which we obviously is obviously a lot more dangerous. Right. Flying at someone with a shoulder. A shoulder yeah, like that's what people do in football all the time. Like people never wrap up anymore. Yeah. They just. Yeah. Throw their shoulder in there, um, and and then also you know like uh, they've they use the fourth official, so the, the television referee now is is in use a lot more in rugby. So it means they can go back and and review things. So the actual policing of the game and these like dangerous events that could occur, um, are, you know, are policed are policed a lot better. And so I think that let's you know let's wait and see because it's all fairly it is fairly new within the context of the game right let's wait and see and, and whether they actually have that much effect on on the uh, you know incident rates of, of concussion 
Awesome. I, I, I like those answers. Um, I always finish my podcast with asking this one question, so I'll ask you guys both. Um, what's your personal definition of perseverance? Um, I think in I think in in, in sport and, and, and life. in life, yeah. you uh, you're you're going to fall down. So it's uh, you know some people fall down more often than other people, but it's 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 the guy that uh, the, and the girl that, that keeps kind of getting up. Really, is uh, you know nobody's made it to the top of 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 life or or or, or their sport without without falling and and, and getting up and so that's it's exactly the, like rugby too right yeah, yeah exactly you gotta right. uh, the value that's what we see together guys you, you gotta you gotta keep getting up just you know and that's that's same in life you know sometimes get up in the morning the last thing you want to do but you just gotta have to just get up you know and, right. and keep and keep fighting so that's i think that's the you know in any kind of setback i think that's uh that would be the key thing for me anyway awesome Nick, can't, can't beat that answer. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> um, got, in, got in before you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I suppose people, the people that are um, successful, um, are the ones that you can't say persevere, can you? But <laughs> are the ones that tend to, um, you know, while other people are, are sleeping, they're training. You know, they're doing the extras. Yeah, things they're doing those little things. Things you do when no one else is watching, right? Exactly, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Like I, I had a boxing coach always said to me, and he's probably got it off someone else. But you know, while you know, while you, this guy's sleeping, you know, if you're training, it's right. like you're doing something extra he hasn't done, you know. And at the end of the day, that's that's that that hard work is that extra hard work was what will pay off. Awesome. I think, and I think that that defines perseverance for me. Just putting in the hard work. Cool. Nick and Brian, I really appreciate you guys taking the time out of your night to uh, talk with me. And I think it's a cool little conversation we had about kind of comparing rugby to American football. And I think I think about football, I think the NFL is kind of in like a tough spot. Like it's hard to make the game safer, just like it's hard to make rugby safer when like the essence of the game is really to like to hit people. Um, so I think, you know, I think they're doing everything that they can. Um, I'm sure there's some things that could change and obviously like what you guys are doing with the the data tracking with for the players i think if that's implemented into you know the nfl or all sports i feel like that could not it can't hurt you know it can only help to help the sport um, especially with if if uh, coaches are receptive to it yeah um so thanks again and i'll definitely be watching at 3 p.m on saturday and then you just got a new uh london irish rugby fan so <laughs> excellent right thank you very much yeah thanks thank you. guys Appreciate it. Luck can only take you so far because some things in sports and in life are out of your control. I hope this episode sparks a conversation about how we can make sports safer and keep athletes healthier. Before you head over to your local pub for a pint on St. Patrick's Day, please make sure to give us a follow on Instagram at Heads and Tails. That's heads as in multiple heads, the letter N, then tails spelled T-A-L-E-S. Same thing goes on Twitter, just add a P-O-D on the end, and like us on Facebook. And if you really want to see my pasty white Irish skin blush, go over to iTunes and Stitcher and leave us a five-star review. This will help us spread our message further and further each week. As always, you can't control what happens to you in life, but you can always control how you respond. But cheers to the luck of the Irish being on your side this week. <laughs>